0: It's Twin Bills, the Red Sox podcast from the Sports Department of the Providence Journal. Featuring Red Sox beat writer Bill Koch, along with sports editor Bill Corey. Now, Twin Bills. Hello and welcome to this week's Twin Bills podcast. This is uh, sports editor Bill Corey at the Providence Journal. And with me is Red Sox beat writer uh, Bill Koch, just returning from a soggy, uh, Baltimore, where uh, the Red Sox last night, got off to a great start, and then they postponed the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, Bill, it, uh, it felt a little more like Barbados than it did uh, Baltimore. <laughs> you're, you're talking about that sort of tropical heat and humidity, and uh, you know, rain band would come through. It would pour for three minutes and then stop. You know, pour for another five minutes and then stop. Uh, very odd weather pattern there. It, it was. They were quite fortunate to get two games in. In my mind, and. They were quite upset that they did not get the third in.
0: Well, I, I can uh, I can understand why that might be. Uh, you know, um, David Price went out there and threw all of ten pitches and. Obviously, uh, is not uh, can't go tonight. Uh, is going to be on the shelf now for a few days. Uh, it did kind of wreak havoc with a lot of things.
1: Yeah, it was a, a five nothing lead in the second inning. You'd had three home runs already from Andrew Benintendi, J.D. Martinez, and, and Mookie Betts, uh, who, who who they should just give a piece of Camden Yards to at this point. <laughs> I, I mean, he's just amazing there. Um, you know, and you have to figure the Red Sox with a five nothing lead in the second inning against a team like Baltimore. They're not going to give it away. They're going to end up winning that game the way they started it. Uh, And like Alex Cora said, you know, after the postponement last night, every game counts. They're in a real race here with the Yankees. And to be able to beat up on these teams in the bottom of the AL East or in the bottom of the AL in general, really, really important. And, you know, you feel like the Red Sox had something taken away from them by the forecast and maybe by some poor planning by the Orioles in that that evening.
0: Yeah, it's always frustrating when you uh – when you were... Uh Start a game that uh, that well, and then and then obviously you can't uh, get back to it now until uh, August 11th, day-night doubleheader uh, down in Baltimore. They'll resume, I guess, where they just uh, where where they where they had to uh, call it. Uh, so tell me, what happens um, in uh, in the press box when uh, you guys have to sit around and wait for a two-hour, two and a half-hour delay?
1: Well, I had a friend ask me that earlier today. Uh, you file some expense reports? Uh, <laughs> Very good. You, that's you that's.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to hear that. Uh,
1: that was that was the uh, employee of the month answer. Uh, <laughs> that may or may not have happened. Right. Um, but uh, you finish up writing your sidebar, you finish up writing your notebook, and like everyone else, you just wait. And you know, in Baltimore, it's an open-air press box, so you keep the water coming. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're watching it rain, you need to remember to drink it as well, because it is, <laughs> right. it is pretty steamy down there in July. Um, you know, and like a lot of other people this time of year, you're probably on social media monitoring for trade updates, you know, wherever they may come from, whether it be the Red Sox, the Yankees, uh, you know, other playoff rivals, the Athletics, the Indians, uh, everyone's busy this week of the year. And so no shortage of things to to look into, you know, if you have a spare two, two and a half hours. Uh, Well, speaking
0: of um, trades and potential trades, uh, the Red Sox uh, did just that when they picked up... uh Uh, Right-handed pitcher Nate Evaldi from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays in exchange for Jalen Beeks, 28 years old. Um, I think it's a pretty good pickup. It's not, you know, stop the presses kind of a pickup. Uh, What's your take on on the Sox getting Evaldi?
1: Well, there are two things, obviously. The first is... The Red Sox have some injuries in their starting rotation, whether it be Eduardo Rodriguez, who's got a right ankle sprain. He's going to be out for a little bit. Uh, Steven Wright, who has that left knee inflammation and, and isn't close to returning. Um, so you're looking for a guy who, who might be able to eat some innings at the back end of the rotation and maybe spare that bullpen over the last 60 games here, make sure that they're not out of gas when October comes around. Um, you got a, a young starter, you know, comparatively, 28-year-old guy who missed all of last season, after undergoing Tommy John surgery, so you figure he's relatively fresh. Um, you also look at a guy who has significant ability, a um, you know, guy that throws 97 miles an hour on his fastball, uh, he averages that this year. Uh, he has a sub one whip, point uh, nine eight whip, which is outstanding for a starting pitcher. Um, strikes out eight point three guys per nine innings. So the stuff is there. The the raw stuff, whether it be as a starter or as someone who maybe for the postseason could transition into that bullpen.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, a good pickup for them. Um, obviously, you know. Uh Speaks did not do very well in his uh, limited time up in the majors, but you know he's young and, and it's hard to say what he's going to become. But uh, I don't know. For me, I guess Evaldi is really going to be kind of an innings eater for the Red Sox here for the for the rest of the way. And I'm not sure how he's going to um, impact the uh, the playoffs. Uh, you know, he may be that fourth starter when you get into a seven game series. He he's, he may be in the bullpen. Uh, kind of um, kind of remains to be seen. But I I think it's a good move considering A, the health of... Eduardo Rodriguez not really knowing when he's gonna come back and, and is he gonna come back and be able to be a starter? And obviously the uh, the wild card is you know, how does David Price do in the playoffs? And if he flames out, this is is this the guy that can kind of step in and give you that, that extra option as a starter.
1: Right, and you you definitely you you are giving yourself some options now, even with Rodriguez and right out. You got Brian Johnson, now you add Evaldi, you could still start Hector Velasquez at some point if you're really in a pinch you know if you have a rain out or a double header or you know an off day that's suddenly not an off day anymore right. um you know so that really helps and and what you gave up in terms of what you gave up uh Jalen Beeks is 25 years old uh he's thrown two games in the major leagues um you know was hit hard in in both of them he sort of had his best minor league season here with Pawtucket uh, 117 strikeouts in 87 and in third innings he was an international league all-star uh, but a guy whose ceiling was only going to be so high. Um, the Red Sox have pitching prospects in front of him, whether it be Brian Matta or Tanner Houck or Jay Groom, who's out for the year for Tommy John surgery. Um, so they might have more in the pipeline. And, you know, Dave Dombrowski and Alex Cora both said they feel like this is a team that can win now. And I think by getting a guy like Evaldi, it sends a good message to your clubhouse that you know, fellas, we believe in you too, and we feel like if we make a couple acquisitions here or there to augment what you already have, this might be enough to get you over the hump. I think it's also important to remember that this already started at the end of June when Dave Dubrowski went out and he got Steve Pierce, who's fit right into this team. Right. He started. Th- he's played in 13 games or 10 and three. In yeah. Who's games.
0: kind of been under the radar, but yeah, he's been, he has been a very good pickup for
1: them. You know, and he's He's a very good guy in the clubhouse, nice guy, veteran guy, respected by his teammates. He's played for every team in the division, so he's not going to be intimidated by going into Yankee Stadium, let's say, in September, uh, you know in, in the middle of a, a division race, um, or going into the postseason and, and playing you know some sort of pressure game in Cleveland in October. Uh, that's not beyond him. You're not asking a young guy to do it for the first time. Um, so these are sort of more surgical. Editions by Dave Dombrowski. Um, not necessarily the big splash edition that he's known for. And I, I think it's important to note that. Adding Evaldi, they've added about seven hundred and twenty-five thousand in salary, which mm-hmm. keeps them below still, right, the th- final that magic tax that threshold. magic line. You the, don't want to be two hundred thirty-seven you know, right. million.
0: And we had talked about that too, and uh, you you had made the point that I agree with. If you're going to go over that, go over that for like a stud, and I don't think Ivaldi really fits that bill.
1: No, no, go over it with someone who you're going to take significant cash on for. Um, you know, now like Dombrowski acknowledged Wednesday in Baltimore, and Alex Cora has said all along because he lived this last year with Houston, you could still get someone who slips through waivers and add significant cash onto your payroll with a contract. The yeah. Astros did that last year with Justin Verlander, and he helped them win the World Series. Um, they had to take on two additional years of his deal and $56 million total. If the Red Sox were to do something like that, that would put them well over the luxury tax. They would lose the 10 spots in the draft. They would owe Major League Baseball a lot of money. Um, you know, but if they were to do something like that, say, on a high-dollar second baseman who who might slip through in waivers, or you know, a bullpen arm who a team is trying to cut bait from because they don't think they're a contender, someone who's overpaid, you know, 10, 12 million dollars a year for another two years, um, who might be a bridge piece if you don't plan on re signing C- Craig Kimbrell, someone who's under control. Um, you know, they could make a pickup like that before August 31st, and you know, that could be something that is in the back of Dave Dombrowski's mind if he. Is unable to complete that big sort of splashy trade before July 31st.
0: So that's my next question. July 31st is fast approaching. It's next. I want to say it's Tuesday next week. Um, do you think the Red Sox are done for now? Do you think there's uh, another uh, another move out there? Uh, I, I don't think there is. But uh, what's your take on uh, on on the uh, trade deadline?
1: Well, you know, Dombrowski made a couple good points. I think obviously this team in my mind could still use some help in the bullpen. You you obviously could use another setup guy for Kimbrell um, to go with Matt Barnes at this point. I think Barnes has probably earned the right to be that 8th inning guy, whether mm-hmm. it be down the stretch or in the playoffs. I, I think he's probably performed the best and is probably the guy that Alex Cora trusts the most. Uh, right now, considering the way Joe Kelly has pitched, your 7th inning is either going to be Heath Hembry or Ryan Brazier, who has a grand total of seven uh, 6 appearances this year with Boston. Now granted he hasn't given up an earned run since May 12th, with the Paw Sox, which is a ridiculous streak. But right. you know, has he really shown enough where you're going to trust him in game two of the ALDS on the road? The argument would be no. Um, you know. But Dabrowski made a couple of good points. He, he said, we've made a couple additions. We feel like we've addressed a couple of holes in the roster. And realistically, if we're going to bring somebody else in, it's going to force us into a difficult decision on our 25-man roster. Uh, they still haven't activated Ivaldi and added him to it. You've got some interesting spots here considering some guys who you would like to send to Pawtucket don't have options, whether it be Brian Johnson, Blake Swihart. You can't send those guys out. You would need to release them. Um, you know, Someone like Kelly can refuse a minor league assignment. He's had five years of service time. Uh, you could see a fake DL come up here I'm not you know I don't mean to be cynical it happens all the time but you know just for the purposes of juggling here uh, so if you are to make a trade and you're trading prospects for a major league player that's another real concern going forward as well sure sure
0: uh, well, speaking of going forward, here the Red Sox are going forward uh, tonight by opening up a ten-game homestand. Uh, they've got the Twins in town for uh, through the weekend, then they welcome the Phillies in for I think it's just two games, and then they've got uh, the Yankees. I believe uh, they are right now seventy-one and thirty-two, still uh, the best record in the league. There's fifty-nine games to play. Uh, they've they've got a five and a half game lead over the Yankees as we uh, as we tape this here on Thursday. Um. The Red Sox are, are sitting pretty, I think. Um, and if the Yankees are going to make a push for the division, uh, there's obviously still a lot of games left. Uh, but uh, that 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 series uh, next week is going to be huge for uh, huge for both teams.
1: Well, and here come the Yankees making their move now. They acquired Zach Britton from the Orioles late uh, late Tuesday night. Baltimore closer, who is just going to. I mean, the Yankees are going to have the bullpen of death. Absolutely, pretty much. Yeah.
0: I mean, they've just they could start rolling out that bullpen in the fifth inning they, if they want. I mean, <laughs> right? they've they've
1: loaded up completely on yeah. on shutdown bullpen arms. They're already on pace to set a new record for Major League bullpens in terms of strike outs per 9 they average about 11 and a half um, so think about that they strike out you know they record about almost half their outs strike right. strikeout. Yeah. It's, it's a phenomenal thing. Sure. Um, and now Joel Sherman in the New York Post, great baseball writer there, is reporting that the Yankees are close to a deal to acquire Jay Happ from Toronto, left-handed starter. So here come the Yankees now flexing their muscles, whether it be with their prospect depth, which is superior to the Red Sox, or with their financial situation, which is superior to the Red Sox. They can add salary. They have young players to deal. Um, you know, No guarantee that that Britain and Happ no guarantee that that means the Yankees are done. They could still be going here. We don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And the Yankees
0: are, are not nearly as close to that uh, penalty line as the Red Sox are, right?
1: No, not at all. They're, they were about $31 million under it yeah. uh, before they acquired Britain, uh, he, he makes about $12 million this year, so prorated by a third. They owe him another four. They're probably around 170 171 or so. So still well under. They could still add a significant piece. Right, right. Um, but to your point earlier about this homestand, if you able to get off to a good start against the Twins and the Phillies and say go four and two let's say mm-hmm. um, you go up against the Yankees for four games if you're able to win three out of four in, yeah. in a perfect world because I, I struggle to see that either team is going to sweep each other they're, right. they're it usually just,
0: doesn't happen it's usually a split or there's one team that gets one, you know, one game better but yeah
1: they're, they're both just too good but yeah. if you end up going a seven and three At home. And three of those wins are against the Yankees. It becomes a mathematical difficulty for New York to pass the Red Sox. If you end up coming out of next weekend with a seven-game lead, seven-and-a-half, eight-game lead, It's only 50 games to go. If Boston goes 25-and-25... over the last 50
0: which would be the worst they've played all year because they've been playing on a much much higher clip obviously
1: you're looking at the Yankees having to go 33 and 17 34 and 16 yeah. something along those lines right. it's very difficult to do uh you know not to mention New York and the Red Sox still play two more series after that that's right um yep. you know so there's 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 no reason to think that the Red Sox can't split with them the rest of the year at that point. So New York would have to go pull those six games out over the other 44. They would have to go 17 over 500, which would be, my math fails me, 31 (laughs) and 13. I mean, that's that's a pretty ambitious pace to try to set. So if the Red Sox are able to handle things here over this 10-game homestand and sort of just continue the momentum that they've built to this point, they could put themselves in a very good position when New York gets out of here on August 5th. Well, you know, if, we, if you want to play that game of if the season ended today, kind of
0: thing, which obviously it's it's not going to, because we still got two two months of baseball. But if it did, uh, and I was looking at uh, the uh, the standings. Uh, uh, yesterday. Uh so I believe it would be the Yankees and Seattle would be playing for the wild card, is that right? I think that's uh, right. And then obviously uh the uh, division winners are uh the Red Sox, the Indians, and the Astros. Uh and let's assume the Yankees beat Seattle in that one game, which is no you know, so it's one game who knows what can happen. But sure uh if that were to happen, it would be the Yankees and the Red Sox in the ALDS because I don't think they worry about you playing within your division anymore. No. No, they don't or, do that anymore. Right? So, I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance, whether it's the ALDS or the ALCS, there's going to be some New York-Boston matchup this postseason.
1: Yeah, which, you know, which every, is fantastic, uh, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> which, which everyone would look forward to. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I go back to that 1999 ALCS. Oh, uh, yeah. I was in college in Boston at the time, and I just remember the, the mood in the city uh, for Game 3 the the way it was when you know Pedro Martinez was going to pitch against Roger Clemens in Game Three of the ALCS at Fenway Park, uh, you know just the the vibe in town, the electricity in town, the the fact that it was something we'd never really seen before the the Red Sox and the Yankees playing an extended postseason series right. against each other right. Not you had one. nineteen
0: seventy eight was that one game sort of play in game, but yeah, there was no series right.
1: right. This this wasn't a one game playoff, and right. and it also wasn't sort of the you know meandering. Pace of a, a, a regular season divisional race. Right. This was you know seven games. Here it is to go to the World Series. It, it was it was wonderful. And you know people need to remember this is before the Red Sox had won the World Series three times. They they were in the middle of the curse. The Yankees were in the middle of you know that nineties dynasty sure. with, with Jeter and all the rest. They had won the World Series in '96 and again in '98. Um, you know so it, it was just it was great theater. And and I think it would be. Not Nothing short of the same, you know, in any round, whether it be the division series or the championship right. series, if the right. Red Sox play them again, I'd like to say it never fails to disappoint. But if you're a Red Sox fan,
0: certainly has disappointed with the result. But it's always a great series. Obviously, in '03, when they when they lose to the Yankees on the on the Boone home run, and then obviously the probably the greatest postseason series. If you're a Red Sox fan, would be the ALCS in '04 when yeah. they come back from you know down three to one and just. Uh, 3, three nothing, right, and, 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 uh, and win that.
1: I mean, I'll, I'll confess, you know, when it comes to '04, 4 I remember the ALCS games more than I remember the World Series games against the Cardinals. Sure.
0: Yeah, because the, yeah, the World Series was such it was so anticlimactic because it wasn't even, after the first game, it wasn't competitive.
1: You know, when we look back, and I, I say this to my friends all the time, look back at the starting pitching for the Cardinals in that World Series, and you think, how could we have ever felt threatened by Woody Williams and Jeff <laughs> Supon right. and Jason Markey? Like, the Reds Sox
0: had that right. all the way. Had that base running blunder <laughs> that will forever go down in history. That's right. right
1: we' you get gunned down by David Ortiz across the diamond. <laughs> um, you know, but you, you look back and you say, well, the Red Sox had this all the way." But that was just the, the fear that was instilled to you by your father and your grandfather over generations Absolutely. and generations. You know, and they weren't wrong. <laughs> and they weren't wrong. It's how are they going to do this to us again? Right. Um, but I I flash back to those ALCS games. You know, far more than I do. Uh, those World Series games, particularly in 04, because, yeah. you know, I remember watching those and, and being harangued by my dad, you know, who would say, oh, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, don't, <laughs> right. don't watch this. They're down three games. Haven't I you know. raised you better than this? You know, this? Didn't, right. didn't you watch at 19 to 8 destruction yeah. in game three? Like, right. what what is the matter with you? You know, I, he, he's, you know, he'd say to me, I know you're glutton for punishment and a cynic, but like, you know, this is extreme even for you. And, right. I, would, and I would say, dad... I want to see how they're going to do it to us this time. <laughs> you know, like, like right. how, how bad is right. this going to how be? How creative can
0: they be? Right? You know,
1: so the, the natural thought, obviously, was, well, they're going to get all the way to game seven and then lose. Right. <laughs> you know, the Yankees are going to walk it off after being up three games to none. Yeah. The Red Sox will take like a 6 nothing lead in game seven and then get walked off on again for the second year. You know, well. it's funny, my, my uh, and not to
0: belabor this point here too
1: long, but my, my memory
0: of that was, uh, and having, you know, I, I was a kid in 78, but I certainly remember the game and, and I remember the 86 World Series watching oh, yeah. at my friend's basement and the ball through Buckner's legs and all that so I certainly had the same fatalistic attitude as most Sox fans but for some reason in 04 <laughs> I, I kept saying to myself if they push this thing to a game 7 it's over and I meant that by thinking by by, uh, by thinking that the, the Yankees Really had no pitching left at that point. You, you
1: didn't trust uh, Kevin, Kevin Brown? Kevin Brown, no. And,
0: and, you know, just the weight of, giving, of losing that series after going up 3 nothing. I thought would really weigh... Uh, too heavily on them, and and it you know it did. I mean, they it wasn't even much of a game. You know, Johnny Damon had that huge game, and uh, and that that game was. I mean, even even Pedro, who came into the who inserted himself in the middle oh, of that game and started I, giving up a, a run or two, even that could not derail. I, him. I, I
1: cursed Terry Francona to high heaven <laughs> for that decision. <laughs> right, Whether right. Pedro wanted to go in or not, that that right. was one of the worst things he's ever done. Um, for me, it was in Game Six because mm-hmm. I, I felt like Game Four Ortiz. You know, hits a walk-off home run off Paul Quantrill. Game five, he hits a broken bat looper to center off Esteban Loaiza. Both of those games are extra innings, but they're Fenway Park. Right, you going back to the Temple of Doom for Game six. <laughs> right, you know, I, I mean, they're going to rip your heart out. But yeah. the two calls that the Red Sox got. In Game Six, the Bellhorn home Bellhorn run, home run. which was clearly a home run, right. but and you it was didn't call. And it but you didn't think a it double. was going
0: to be called that way, even after the review. It was but called yeah. a double, right.
1: and thankfully, it was sort of a new thing in baseball at that time, where they were forcing the umpiring crews to get together yeah. and discuss it on the field. Yeah. So much there was so much machismo among the umpires before. You know, the early 2000s where it was, well, I don't want to show the other guy up by correcting his call, even if I have a better look at it, which is ridiculous in hindsight. But they get together and get that call right, and I'm thinking, oh, that's good. And then the Bronson Arroyo, Alex Rodriguez slap, Mm. where he knocks the ball out of his glove and it goes down the first baseline. The umpires get together again and call Rodriguez out, and I'm thinking that's two now <laughs> if, if these were previous years in other right. series go the other there's way there's no way these would have no. been overturned right. they win game six and I'm thinking to myself well yeah they, not only are they playing well now but they got a couple breaks yeah you know and yeah. they've got pitching lined up realistically I didn't trust Kevin Brown either <laughs> I'm thinking wow this this could be you know this could be interesting and then when Ortiz homers in game uh in in the first inning of Game Seven after Damon's thrown out at the plate, just that immediate turn sure. where your stomach kind of falls down right. to your knees and then is lifted back up immediately. You're thinking, "This is actually going to happen. Yeah. They have the lead. This can actually happen." Yeah. Uh, but it's it's that kind of history, recent history that's 14 years yep. ago, not not too far removed that. I really hope we get to see here over the next four or five years, considering the Red Sox talent level and the young core that the Yankees have, uh, you know we're really set up, I think, for something like that over the next two, three, four, five years. And you know, I think it's really going to ramp up here as the calendar turns to August and we get into that four-game series at Fenway.
0: Well, it will definitely be uh, it'll be fun to watch. And uh, yeah, usually when those two teams start playing uh, in the postseason, as, as few times as it happens, it, it's always a classic regardless of the result. Uh, so we're going to wrap up in a couple of minutes, but I don't want to uh, sign off quite yet because uh, as you were uh, not twiddling your thumbs but filling out your expense report and doing all those other important things during the rain delay yesterday, I noticed on Twitter that there was a little bit of a discussion of baseball movies, and you happened to touch upon probably my favorite baseball movie. Uh, Oh really? Oh absolutely. Oh good the, for you. The Naturals, you know, absolutely. Uh, you know, Robert Redford, uh, Glenn Close, uh, Wilford Brimley, right? I mean, this, yeah. Uh, so, uh, what's your top three? I would. My, my top three is
1: uh, clearly the natural, Field of Dreams, and Bull Durham. Very good. Uh, yeah, Robert Duvall also was great. Yeah, that's right. As, uh, Max yeah. Mercy. That's right. Um, yeah, you know, I I I reference that moment obviously because Mookie Betts hits a three-run homer in the second inning, and all of a sudden there's lightning and thunder all over the place <laughs> in right. the rain. The cover didn't come down. off the ball though. The cover did not <laughs> come off know. the ball. Right. Uh, it may as well have. Right. Dylan Bundy had a look like it may as well have. <laughs> right. Um, you know, for me, you you put me on the spot here. I I would say, uh, you know, for me, probably, uh, Bull Durham's probably number one. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, great on, movie. Sure. Only because. You know, I mean, just meat the, and the, bring yeah, it. the the, the, the high jinks in that are, are, are just fantastic. Um, breathing through your eyelids and, and all breathing that, through right. your eyelids yeah. and whatever. Uh, you know, I would put the natural number two. Yeah. Um, you know, always love that story. It's one of the first baseball movies I actually watched. Um, you know, came out in the eighties. I was, I think, I was five. It was nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was a movie that my parents felt like when I was 7 or 8 I was probably old enough to watch yeah. and, you know, right. To watch right. it with me um, you know and it was just just a great story yeah. you know, a story that anyone could relate to mm-hmm. uh, and third obviously would be Major League for me oh god yeah Major League's um, great too you, you know sure. just just love Major League <laughs> right. uh, so you know two comedies sandwiching the drama there right. honorable right. mentions of course to, to Field of Dreams um, The Sandlot Sandlot Eight Men Out I liked uh, uh, Eight Men Out was very yeah. good um, yeah. you know another one which is, is a little sappy and a little cheap easy but for the love of the game yeah yeah uh, a, you have to sort of be in the mood but that's yeah, that's not a horrible movie yeah, yeah. you know and and, so. and i'm making way too many references to movies that have kevin costner <laughs> that's in them. right yeah so well, he was in like
0: just about all of
1: the baseball uh, uh, movies yeah so, so yeah. I'm, I'm getting a little yeah. uncomfortable honestly so. I, I feel like that means it's time to end the podcast
0: <laughs> maybe or, or we could spin off and do like a siskel and ebert podcast too but anyway short of that uh we'll wrap this up uh Bill will be back on the beat uh, tonight in, uh, in Fenway Park when the Sox uh, open a 10-game homestand against the Twins. And we will do this again a week from now. Thanks again, Bill. Thanks, folks.